Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir Magazine. And I welcome everybody to our program tonight. It's a very interesting program because uh, it's taking up a lot of the things that happened in the last few days. Just let me just give you the news in case you haven't heard it. This is uh, hot off the press that uh, the El Al flights from Tel Aviv to Newark and to JFK have been canceled uh, currently due to an, uh, an unannounced strike by pilots. So, uh, you know, if you have anybody who's coming in, be careful. They're not going to necessarily make it today. Anyway, we're going on with our show. Our show tonight is about the Kosher Fest. Kosher Fest was last week. And we had interviewed a number of people at Kosher Fest, some very interesting people, and I'm going to share the actual tapes with you right now. And just an introduction first about Kosher Fest, what it's all about, what happened, what it is, etc. Uh, and then we're going to go right into some of the uh, recorded uh, material. At Kosher Fest, on the first day of Kosher Fest, we gave an award for the Mashkiach of the Year. And that award... Is Kashas Magazine's annual award to the Mashkiach of the Year. And this year, the awardee was Rabbi Aaron Musat from Chicago, Illinois. He works for the Chicago Rabbinical Council. He was flown in, and uh, he received his uh, award, which includes $1,000 from as a gift. So he uh, definitely benefited from the day. It was a beautiful event. Many people attended, and it was a real Kiddush Hashem. And if you look on the Internet, and many of the websites and in some of the newspapers, you're going to be seeing write-ups about the Mashkir of the Year, Rabbi Aaron Musat. In fact, if you go Google it, you'll end up in Matzav, you'll end up in other places where it's where you have to see his picture, etc., etc. And um, the, that was, from our point of view, a very important thing. On the other side, I must remind everybody that I let everyone know on the radio that there's a uh, uh, that there are concerns that are in a fair like uh, kosher fest where they have milk and flakes and pyre, etc. One of the things that we noted this year is that a, a lot of things uh, were on uh, tables that people didn't realize were milchiks or they didn't realize they were flakes, and there wasn't proper signage for it. And I'm working towards next year trying to set up for kosher fest that there should be proper signage saying that this booth is pyre or this booth is flakes or milchiks or whatever. And there's no such thing as it's the my product is is part of a if you if you're giving out crackers that are OUD and of course you don't even show the package you're just putting out the crackers and they're dairy and people didn't realize and it's not going to focus rail it's not focus rail you know it it gets a little interesting and this is the responsibility of the consumer himself to be sure that what you're eating especially at something that's like this where everything is open there isn't any general hashgach on the whole thing and you have your own responsibility. So now, without further ado, I'm going to put on the first person who we interviewed. This was the first booth that I went to, and I thought the, the product was a little bit interesting. Go ahead, please. I am speaking uh, with a company called Click Foods in USA. I'm speaking with Mr. Jam Gondor, who is the executive vice president and general manager of the company. And the product is very interesting. Would you describe it to our listeners, what kind of product that you're selling? Hi, we do have a beautiful line of products. All our beans, lentil, chickpeas, rice, all 
comes from Canada. Our products are MK Kosher. Our head office is in Montreal, Canada, but we recently opened our division distribution center out of Edison, New Jersey. So, of course, that would be much easier access to all our products. We currently distribute in, uh, in all the five boroughs, New Jersey, New York, uh, Brooklyn, Queens. And, what, kind of, uh, what kind of products are you making? beans, lentil, chickpeas, a uh, full line of couscous as well. We also have salad dressing, uh, mustard, uh, mayonnaise. We, what we I found uh, unique about the product, Jim, is, they, is that you're not just selling the bean, you know, or the lentil, which itself is uh, not as exciting, but you have a mixture. A lot of them are mixes. Can you just tell us a number of the mixes that you have? That's absolutely right. I like your observation, Herbie. We do have multicolor chickpeas. We have jumbo mix salad uh, beans. And these are all different uh, mixes that we found very, very interesting. It's all ready to cook, ready to serve. In our days today, everybody's looking for healthy products. So we came up with this uh, nice mix of products. And so far, so good. We're looking for this more distribution here, especially in our Brooklyn area. And we'll be in touch with you in the future. This is the Click uh, Company. Actually, it's really called Click Foods USA or Lions Grain Traders. And we're looking forward to seeing this product more in the stores. Thank you very much. This is the typical situation we had here with Click. It's just that they, the product, what's unique about it is that they started producing. Because it's hard to find new kosher products. Really, everything has been the same. Not, not too many exciting products that are out there today that they weren't there last year. But there's an interest here because you, they mixed certain vegetables together. And it, it's, it's much more interesting than a plain bean. So that's something that you know, just give an idea of what people are doing that's new and different. This next item over here is something that you've never seen before. It's called DBs, and I thought it was extremely interesting because it's a combination of teas and fruit in a very special way. You're listening. The whole background noise is because we're on the, listening to Kosher Fest in the background. Yes. Tea pops. What, this is a very unique product. I've never seen something like it. Normally, we go to the store and you buy uh, ice pops. Or tea. Or tea. And it seems that this is a mixture. What, describe it a little bit to our listeners. So basically, the founder of this company, who's a good friend of mine, Dion Baker, she developed this product because one of her sons loves tea. Another one of her sons cannot have any refined sugar. And the two of them were each making their own. One was making tea. One was making a frozen product. And they each clamored for her attention when one of them said, Mom, why don't we make teas of coals and wow. combine the product? So in the end, it did develop into DB's Tea Pops, which is the combination, a delicious combination, with all the health benefits of tea and fruit and delicious as well. And this product is made in Canada. It has a cup K and the product is Parva. It's actually made in Canada as well as on the west coast of the U.S. Uh, and where are you so being sold? Are you being sold in New York We're area? We're currently being sold in 600 stores across the U.S. and Canada in the natural and healthy food stores. So something like Whole Foods carries it currently. We are trying now that this product has just recently become completely power. It was power, but it was made online 
ones that contain dairy, so it had to have the dairy marking. Yeah, and that's, so like, that's a killer for a lot of us. That's a killer, right. and it shouldn't. It right. shouldn't be. So, And that's where I came in, actually. My husband's a rabbi. We run Chabad in Halifax, and we're friends of the founder. So when we heard about this issue, we wanted to help her solve the problem, which we did very easily because the product was really Parav, essentially. Right. And so now that it's Parav, we are looking, and we're at Kosher Fest, to get into all the Brooklyn stores and the kosher food stores all across the U.S. and Canada. That sounds very interesting. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing the product in our stores in the Brooklyn area and, as, and across the uh, New York City area. Thank Fantastic, you very much. and so are we. You can ask us questions. Yeah, we're, I'm looking at... A okay, and now let me just tell the, our listeners that uh, we're listening to these two little tapes over here. Next one coming up is something uh, a little more used to, and I think it'll be very interesting. Uh, but before that, let me point out that at, at Kosher Fest, uh, every single kind of person is represented. And I stopped by um, the A&B booth, and uh, A&B is an advertiser of ours, and some people that we're very close with, and we appreciate the work that they're doing to uh, check for worms, etc., in the fish. So we have a fish that's very, very uh, appropriate for the consumer. So it was interesting. I stopped over there, and believe it or not, the gentleman came came right after me. Uh, I was finished already, and then the next gentleman came, and he said, I do kosher-style catering. In other words, it's not kosher. It's kosher types. And... Uh, they came to see A and B to find out about A and B gefilte fish, and because in in the non-religious setting, people look at gefilte fish and bagels and locks as Judaism. That's their Yiddishkeit. Sunday morning we had bagels and locks. We had a gefilte fish on Saturday. That's their Shabbos. They don't necessarily have a challah. They don't necessarily make kiddush but they want to have something that's traditionally Jewish. So this is, a, this is something that was very interesting, the conversation I had with the people at A&B, and they told me about a number of situations where they had to go and, and work in non, with non-observant Jews, and they were clinging to A&B gefilte fish as something that represents their uh, continuation as Jews. So in the next clip, it's from A and B, and that's number 28, okay? I'm sitting here with Shalom Halpern from A and B Gefilte Fish, and Kashas and A and B Gefilte Fish goes way back. It's the time I, I remember visiting the A and B and seeing how you take out the worms and the fish, and seeing how they break the eggs and the whole situation. I was I was there up there many years ago, and now I have Mr. Shalom Halpern. We're going to talk a little bit about A and B's new product, or actually new project. What is it that you're trying to sell? What is the new thing that you're coming out with today? Well, the thing is, there's a trend, and that trend is people are going towards the deli. Unfortunately, people are getting more and more lazy. They don't like to stand in the kitchen and cook. People are buying ready-to-eat, ready-to-serve gefilte fish. So we're selling to delis cooked gefilte fish. It makes it ten times easier for them to simply cut it up, put it out on trays, display, and serve. And people buy it um, at point of sale. It's a lot easier than taking home the frozen. Although the frozen is still very, very popular and it's less expensive, but the cooked gefilte fish is making a lot of inroads in upscale places in Manhattan and in supermarket delis all over the country. Sounds very interesting. Are we going to have a full line of all, the, all your products or are we limited? 
now we started off with the regular sweet and the salmon. And there are some demands for gluten-free and for sugar-free. So as the uh, popularity of this item grows, uh, it gets more and more interesting. We go to a lot of different shows in general. We give out thousands and thousands of coupons. Recently, there was the very famous uh, Shabbos project all across America. There was dozens of challah bake events on Thursday night prior to this big Shabbos event. We offered for all of these events all over the country free coupons to give out to all the attendees. That's beautiful. That yeah. is really beautiful. Yeah, we had requests from, from literally hundreds of places. We gave out thousands upon thousands of coupons to people all across America. A lot of these people are experiencing Shabbos for the very first time, so what better to do than to offer them uh, a free coupon on a filter fish. You know? I think, and what better to offer than a bigger filter fish? Right, absolutely. <laughs> the highest quality in kashras and in quality, only fresh fish is used. And, you know, we take the skin off on our plant. We've had people like Rovlando from Benebrak, whose kashras stringencies are famous, that he is of the most, uh, how do you say, chumra uh, digger. Whatever. Right? And he, he, he's he's yeah. been to our plant several times, and, and he, he's mamish fall each and every time he comes. So thank you very much, Shalom, for explaining to us about the new product we'll be seeing in the stores. That even though it looks like it might have been cooked over there, really it's been cooked by you and delivered to the store that way. That's right. Yeah. Thank That's you very right. much. Thank you. I'm sitting here with Shalom Halpern from A and B. Okay, that's uh, Shalom Halpern from A and B Filterfish. Very interesting. The company is really owned by the Coths, who uh, who have, uh, are le- actually legends already, and how they deal with the quality and the uh, and, and the cautious of their products. Uh, I I'd like to tell you the, uh, more, but but we'll save it for some other show about A and B. Anyway, the next clip is somebody. I just won't turn it on yet. The next clip is somebody who. Uh, is a legend. Now, you don't know who he is. I do know him because I taught for years, a few years, in the yeshiva his brother ran. Was He was the menial of the yeshiva. And uh, the the, uh, the gentleman we're going we're to hear from now, maybe you never heard his name, and if you heard his name, you probably never heard from him. He's a very interesting gentleman, and he's the founder of Tofuti. So here we go. With, uh, I'm sitting Tofuti. with David Mintz from Tofuti. Yes. You are the founder of Tofuti. Oh, Hashem, yes. Where did you make it? Did you make it in a basement originally? Where did it start no, from? No, they say in the basement. I never worked in the basement. <laughs> I never worked in the basement. We started uh, when we had a lot of requests. And uh, we made that time. I had restaurants. And the people wanted something a little different. So they wanted dessert. And the, uh, there was no part of dessert that was made at that time. The only thing that was available was ISIS, and at every affair, they used to leave the ISIS alone. They don't want to eat it. But now I see a whole new line yes. that you're selling. We I have couldn't believe it. Baruch Hashem, 120 new items. We started with the ice cream, and now we're going into from pizza and all kinds of different pasta with lasagnas and all filled with the parva cheese. And the people say parv never tasted so good. But I also saw that it's very low in the cholesterol. Zero and, cholesterol, yeah. zero. And very low fats, right. very, very low calories, very low uh, sodium. Yes. I mean, that's a rarity in these kind of items. Yes, yes. And Baruch Hashem, that it's good for, for me. Eight weeks old to 108. All kinds of people love it and enjoy it. And now 
after you have a fajig meal, you can sit down and have a, a parvah dessert that is delicious. So, so this way it makes the dinner beautiful. And not only that, we keep on coming out with new items, and we keep on everything in the food line now. We're expanding in the food line. We make a pizza that if people can't believe it's far. That's right, right. It looks, it looks that way. And I, I look forward to seeing more items coming out from you. And thank you very much and for speaking to us today on Cautious on the Air. And only good news and only some of us. I'm sitting. Okay, that, that is uh, David Mintz himself. And he seems to uh, be in, in charge of the company for quite a few years already. And I think he's I'm doing here with one uh, of Mr. Very, very interesting uh, man and very interesting products. What we were saying is true. It was talking about pizza and other items that they're making now, which uh, which have no dairy in it whatsoever. Uh, the next thing I would like to talk, we're going to skip number thirty. We're going to do and thirty-one. We'll skip also. We're going to do number thirty-three. Um, before we do that, let me explain a little bit what's going on. And we have. I think two of the most exciting ones are coming up. So if you've, you know, you've you heard this stuff already, you get a little tired of it. The next things are not so much about the products. They're much more about issues that you and I are interested in. The next one is somebody who's going to explain to you about casings. A casing is the covering on a hot dog. Now, when you go to buy, you buy hot dogs, you don't think about the casing. The casing basically, you know, could be something that's a vegetable origin. But the real good casings, the way they used to make it and still do, are made from animals. They're made from, from, uh, from real animals. The casing is the piece that surrounds it, that holds the, the meat in, the piece on the outside, which you, your tongue comes on first. And, the, and you need that to hold the product together. You don't want to, you don't want something that's going to look different. You don't want a piece of plastic, a heavy plastic there. You want something that's going to be able to be eaten in your mouth, and yet, and you have to have something strong. And you don't want to take away from the meat. So there, it's a very unique item, and uh, it is applied. It has to be a thin thing. It's applied to the outside of the meat. Meat is stuffed inside. And that's how you make your hot dogs. And historically, this has been the biggest problem in the industry. Because people want that casing. They want a real casing. And unfortunately, it's very hard to get. You have to have kosher, slaughtered animals. You have to have uh, watch the production. It's very expensive, very hard to do. And historically, uh, only a few places make it kosher in the world. And therefore, people started buying it out of the country. From other, other countries, as we're going to hear, where the standards are not so high in terms of kashmas. And we want glatt kosher. We don't want the casing to be any different than the meat because we're eating it. And that's why the next piece is a very exciting piece that we have here. I'm interviewing uh, Jerry from Nutta case, uh, Casings, and you'll hear a little bit about what kosher casing, casings are all about. The, the casing is C-A-S-I-N-I-N-G, it means the outside of the hot dog. Let's go. Let's hear the clip. I'm uh, here today with 
gentleman from Nita Casings. Casings are what you get a hot dog in. It's what holds it up the skin that holds up the hot dog from falling off and uh, pulling apart. Now we we the only one thing think about our casings, but this could be a very big issue, especially when they use uh, casings that are made from animal itself. So we're here now with Nita Casings to understand a little bit about their line, which is certified by Usher by Usher Eckstein, which I think everybody knows. Usher Angel Eckstein, everybody knows. And now hearing a few words now from one of the owners of the company. No, no, I'm not an owner. I'm a consultant. Okay. I'm a consultant. All right. Okay. Jerry Hirschman. Rabbi. The company that started that started this business was Johnson and Johnson. Johnson and Johnson made the first prototype out of one of their divisions called Ethicon when a couple R&D guys decided what to do with collagen. And the spin-off company was called Devro. And it was started in 1964. Uh, Dr. Manny Lieberman was head of the project to come up with an edible collagen casing for meat products. So this is a collagen product? Yes. And that means that it's coming from either bones or from skin? No, it's coming from the middle. It's coming from the middle layer of a beef hide called the corium layer. And the product was uh, uh, the first factory, the only factory that would still exist, which is now owned by Nita Casing, was in Somerville, New Jersey. Okay, and this this product now is being uh, is kosher slaughtered animals. Correct. And they're glad kosher or not glad kosher? Both. We have okay. both. They're both glad glad kosher glad and regular kosher. Regular kosher. Okay. Now I need your help. Okay. Okay. What is the difference between a glot kosher and just kosher. That I'm going to tell you right after you finish, Jerry. you got to help me a little bit more to understand. Are there any companies in the world other than you that are doing from collagen, from actually from an animal that are kosher certified? Yeah. Uh, there are four other companies making collagen casings. Um, the one that's coming out of Germany with a rabbi from Germany that the trade will not accept their certification. The, the other one is a product made out of, out of uh, Spain and is certified by a rabbi in, in Israel and nobody's taking his certification. The certification that... Well, I have a third one there, John. The third one was Devro, which was being made in uh, Australia under the OU. And Devro, three years ago, stopped manufacturing kosher casings out of Australia. Where are yours coming from? Our hides are coming from Aggie Star. Our Aggie Star, right. Okay. The, the old Rabashkin. And now, let me ask you... Uh, who's producing the actual the actual casings? Need a casing in, in Bridgewater, New Jersey, formerly Somerville. 
and it's being manufactured in New Jersey. And you have uh, Rabbi Asher Eckstein and any other Hashkacha also, a national Hashkacha? Whatever is on that, that, that certification you have is that they have a full-time rabbi there 24 hours a day during the manufacturing of the kosher casing. This is a very important thing for my listeners to understand that when they're buying uh, a product such as uh, uh, Bockwurst, breakfast links, hot dogs, whatever it is, kielbasa, it's going to have to have a good casing. Now, there are also casings that are that are uh, made out of uh, vegetable sources. Or, or, but this is an actual collagen. Which, this is what an is actual difference? collagen casing. What, what is the difference for me as a consumer, whether I had a vegetable one or these? Why are these better? Why, why does the industry love to have an animal uh, uh, product in the collagen? The average person couldn't tell to distinguish between a collagen casing and a vegetable casing. And the vegetable casing very limited in their manufacturing facilities. Uh, they'll make maybe one or two sizes. And we have uh, seven or eight sizes. So we have a broader range of products. A product that run on, on different types of uh, automated equipment is more available. Whereas the limited amount of vegetable casing is, is is hard to get, run out of inventory, and uh, you can't be in business without having product. Thank you very much, Jerry. You've been a great help, and our listeners appreciate your time that you gave us. Thank you very much. So that was Nita Casings, and that was Jerry. That was a very interesting uh, discussion if you never heard about this topic before. Uh, before we go on with our show tonight, dealing with the Kosher Fest and some of the people that we interviewed and that we have on tape, I'd like to just mention a word about our sponsor, which is uh, Glockmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. And you, when you think of uh, Glockmart, think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you could save plenty of money shopping at Glockmart. They have uh, at least 50 items on sale every week. And uh, you, at Glockmart, the convenience comes in two packages, parking and time. You save time by parking using their valet parking service. Just pull into Glockmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all those special items you've purchased in the store. And at Glockmart, the quality of the meats is A1. With kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vada Kashras of Flatbush, with Basio Safe Meats and with expert Nikor, at Glockmart, you're getting quality kashras. Glockmart is at 1205 Avenue M. Meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart on Cautious on the Air over J Root Radio. Now we're going back to our programming, and we have a few more uh, recorded pieces from the Kosher Fest. But before we do that, I'd like to mention a couple of things. Number one, uh, we hope to have, if not next week, in the very near future, we hope to have the Mashgiach of the Year, Rabbi Musat, on our station, uh, probably long distance from Chicago, but, but we made up with him hopefully next week, and if it's a difficulty, we'll, we'll pick another week for us to interview him live, and you'll get the whole live interview here, right here on J-Root Radio over Kashris on the air. Another point that I want to make is that uh, 
uh, we'd like to have you call in or text in any questions that you might have or any topic, any anything at all, whether it's about the Kosher Fest, it's about anything in Kashmir that you're interested in, you can call us at the studio starting now, 718-683-5858. I just have to wait till any segment is completed of the from the Kosher Fest. 718-683-5858. Again, 718-683-5858. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can text us at 347-927-8398. Again, 347-927-8398. And the studio number, 718-683-5858. So without further ado, we're going on to another segment, which I think is very, very interesting. I have here a gentleman who uh, he came up to me at the kosher food show and he introduced himself and he said to me that you gave me my first shear. It seems that this gentleman we're going to have now, Rabbi Chaim Mendelssohn, is a Rosh Kolel in Eretz Israel. And to make panasa, he does hashkacha. And he said to the, the first shear that he ever had was a shear that I gave him. We had a dafyomi that I started and I handed it over to him when I couldn't, uh, we moved away and I wasn't able to continue it in Borough Park. He took it over. He says the first year he ever gave. And it was a very interesting discussion. And I said to myself, you know, he has an interesting story. Now we're going to hear from Rabbi Chaim Mendelssohn from Eretz Israel. He lives in, uh, in Yerushalayim. And we're going to hear from him about, believe it or not, Kashmir's. Well, 34. Yeah, 34. We're going to hear from him about kosher in and kosher production in China. I have with me, I met him at the Kosher Food Show, Rabbi Chaim Mendelssohn, who is going to give us a little bit of an understanding of what it's like to do Hashkocha in the Far East. Rabbi Mendelssohn lives in Eretz Israel, the president, of course he was American, but he lives in Eretz Israel, in Yushalayim, he has a koilil, and he also does Hashkocha in the Far East. He might tell us a little bit about uh, what is going on today, in, in terms of, we're, we're interested in, we hear that it's hard to do Hashkocha in China and the Far East, and uh, maybe some things are not perfect that are being done by some Kashmir's agencies, but the question of the quality and also the question about whether we're getting uh, products that may be tainted in some way. These are the kinds of concerns and the difficulty involved in supervising the Far East. Thank you, Rabbi Wickler. Uh, China has been my specialty for many years, and I've been to China many times doing conscious work. China is a very interesting country. Many things are very backwards, but many things are very advanced. The uh, Chinese people are very smart, but they can also be very devious. And as such, as a mashkiach, we need to be on, on the alert to, uh, to be able to catch, if possible, any, uh, anything that's not uh, 100% kosher. But you can't be there all the time. That's a big problem with China or the Far East, that, you, that, that really you don't have usually a mashkiach. To me, the, uh, you may be just be coming in with, with a reservation, not knowing you're coming. Okay, and they actually usually do know that I'm coming, and they usually have to provide an interpreter because I don't speak Chinese, 
uh, been nice to know Chinese, but I don't know Chinese, yet I'm coming in and I have to come in and check. Now, that would really depend on each factory, the uh, what type of level of product they're making. If it be to me, then obviously I'm there for the production itself. And uh, not only that, many times I would have to bring an assistant because I feel that one mashkiach is not enough to be able to keep control of what's actually going on in the factory. Let's say a fish factory, I feel very strongly that it must be two mashkichim minimum. And that's per shift. A factory that is working two shifts will need a minimum of four mashkichim. One mashkich to watch the fish, to check the fish. Other one is to supervise the packing area to see that, uh, in fact, that what they are packing is the what well, exactly what we saw at the beginning of the of the line, and they don't give us uh, other products which is unsupervised. Obviously, unsupervised products they don't need us to put the uh, our labels on that. That's not what we're there for. We, we are there to oversee the production. Are there some times when you either have to stop the production or uh, refuse the production for the company you're working for? I have walked out several times on production and uh, when I felt that it was necessary and I felt that the cash was, is being compromised. It, it, it hurts me and uh, it's not popular. The, the importer is not happy, the factory is not happy, the cash group is not happy, but if it has to be done, a person, a mashgiach with integrity will know when he has to walk out. That being said, you try to make sure that, that to show them that you're in control, so they won't try any monkey business, that they should have to, that you should, which will cause you to have to leave. Yeah, well, just an interesting sidelight, but very important. Uh, would you be paid if you walked out? Um, I do get paid, but nobody's happy. <laughs> you want to get invited back. Everybody really wants to make it work if we can. Yes, indeed. It's definitely important to try to make it work. But, uh, but do you find I, that they're cooperative in that level, that they're trying to work with you? Or do you really feel that they don't understand this and are, are just trying to uh, 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 go behind our backs? Because of my experience, I've developed a system where I give them a guidelines of what I plan on be doing and what are my expectations and what my requirements are going to be, which will uh, which will uh, make them sensitive of, about my needs, and therefore there should be less, let's call it quote unquote, misunderstandings later, and uh, where they will not be meeting the expectations. So they, if, so if I if I set down. If I've set out my uh, my requirements beforehand, most companies will read it read it carefully and thoroughly, and they will try to uh, to, to accommodate. And because they want because they do want it to work, and they because it means it could mean a potential loss of a lot of business for them. Let me ask you this: uh, in in China or in the far east other places, are, are you only doing special production, or you also come as a, uh, a supervisory capacity to check on productions that are ongoing. I mean, as there are hashkochas that giving hashkocha without being there constantly. So uh, are you involved with those as well? Besides doing specialized media productions, I've also been doing plant inspections. Plant inspections I've been doing on behalf of other noted uh, 
noted to recognize the cashless groups. They have plants under their hashgacha, which need periodic inspections. And have you found that in some times when you go there, that there are issues that uh, have to be changed, or in other words, uh, have you have any? I'm not saying all the time, but have you had any difficulties? I am. I serve as the eyes and ears of the supervising. Uh, uh, group that I represent. Um, I try to do a methodical inspection of the plant and uh, make sure to see every nook and cranny that I possibly can see, including the stock rooms uh, and other areas where th things might be hiding. If I see something that's uh, that shouldn't be there, I will report it to the thing, and it's the responsibility of the particular cautious group to follow up. Understand. Now, there's another concern that many people have as to the safety of the of the products that are made in China. The fact that they may use something that has a potential poison to us inside there, the potential uh, problems that uh, you know our government would say we have to avoid. I'm not saying that you've been able to uh, analyze that, but have you ever run across that, or is that something that is just uh, a, a nervousness on our part? Most of the products that I've supervised generally carry with them what they call the HACCP certificate, which is a, a certain international standard. For each different type of product, there is a, uh, a protocol of how those products need to be to be uh, produced. And they are pretty strict about maintaining them because, because those HACCP inspections are very strict and uh, with them they, they understand that they have to maintain the standards. They might be lax a little bit, but generally those standards are being adhered to and it's every importer has to make sure that uh, the product that he's importing meets these international standards. I cannot take responsibility for that. That's a uh, that's the job of the of the importer. The job of the mashkiach is really to make sure that kashrus is is, is is being adhered to, and uh, that's to the best of his ability. Thank you very much for joining us today, and I hope you enjoy the kosher fest. Thank you very much. So that was uh, Rabbi uh, Mendelssohn, or Bechai Mendelssohn, whose father has been uh, uh, one of the leaders in, uh, in fish production overseas, and uh, who's, you know, who's been uh, behind the scenes in many, many hashkafos. Uh, but Rabbi Mendelssohn pointed out a number of things that we should note as kosher consumers. First of all, he mentioned to you that uh, most times they know when he's coming which sets, a, sets up a, a question of, as to how strong the Hashgacha could be. Although a lot of his work is special production, which means he's there from the beginning to the end. He also noted that he has to be like a, pretty much like a uh, detective, and that he noted that uh, the people in China are, are trying to uh, uh, do something behind his back occasionally. And he also noted over there that uh, he sometimes had problems and he wasn't able to accept the problem, which uh, shows that, you know, and you have to have a lot of guts for that, but that's the call that you have to make, even if it upsets everybody. 
So there are there are a number of uh, red flags that we're seeing over here in the production in China and uh, the Far East, and it definitely is a it definitely is a challenge to the conscious agencies today. It would be nice if we had uh, people who uh, were resident who were staying there and were able to do the work uh, without traveling so far, and who um, who speak Chinese. The biggest problem is that that they doesn't speak Chinese because you have an interpreter and the interpreter is, is, is given to you by the company and the interpreter sees what he's doing, sees what he wants and says that this person said that, this that person said this and that he really could be much more than just a an interpreter. He may actually be controlling the informa- flow of information. And that's that's a, a, a hard thing. I know some people who go to China who know Chinese, and I know some people who go to China that will not take the interpreter from the company, but bring their own interpreter, somebody that they have approved of who isn't on being paid by the company. And that, and that ensures them of a little bit uh, more uh, sure, they're a little more sure the information they're getting is correct. I'm sure that the procedures that uh, Robert Mendelson is using is like everybody else. There may be some changes, like I'm mentioning about this, about the uh, getting uh, a, a different interpreter. But as you see, it is a complex issue, and it's not the same as production, let's say, in in uh, our area here in New York or somewhere around the states. Uh, before we go on, uh, I haven't seen anybody calling in yet. If anybody wants, they can call us at 718-683-5858. And until that time, we're going to continue our programming. And we have now another segment, which I think is very interesting. It is uh, about lubricants, number 36. 30, not 35, 36, okay? I'm talking with Tammy Doctor, that's her name. She's sales and marketing coordinator for Haynes Lubricants in Westlake, Ohio. Haynes makes uh, kosher lubricants. You know, most of us don't think about that, but the machinery has to be kept kosher. And to get a hashkocha on a particular plant, we want to make sure that all the uh, lubricants on the machinery are coming in kosher certified. And this entire company is OU certified. Name again, Haynes, H-A-Y-S. N-E-S. Uh, Ms. Doctor, you want to tell us a little bit about what makes it kosher? Um, well, all of our products are kosher certified. They're made from ingredients that um, comply with kosher, and um, we have our plant inspected and um, kosher certified annually. And you don't have, they're not produced on the same equipment as something that may not be kosher? That's correct. All we produce through our lines are, are kosher lubricants. Uh, we don't produce any other um, types of lubricants through our lines. And most of your, uh, are many of your clients uh, companies that do kosher? Correct. Both in the food service as, as well as the food processing um, industries. Do you ever have a challenge where they ask for something that you don't have necessarily available and we have to work on a new uh, product line? Um, we do have a robust line currently, but we're always looking for suggestions. If somebody happens to suggest something, it might be something that goes into the research and development and we may come out with a new product because of it. 
and, and what kinds of products are there? I mean, how they applied? Give us a little a range of the, what you carry. We have sprays um, that can be applied that are like penetrating oils. We have cartridges for bearings that can be put in grease guns. We also even sell up to 55-gallon drums to be hooked up to um, like centralized lubrication systems in a food processing plant. So there's a full range. Are you one of the larger companies, uh, or are you one of the uniquely kosher companies? Um, we are we are unique because we only process food-grade lubricants. We don't do any other chemicals or industrial lubricants within our plan, and um, we sell throughout the world. We're currently into 110 countries right now. When I read something, it says that there was a mineral oil was applied, but it's food-grade. What does that mean? section, which I think is very interesting. She talked about the lubricants. What, what many people don't know is that they don't have to list on the packaging what was on the machinery. A lot of times there are what we call release agents, where at the actual production of the food product, there is something that allows the product to move the line and not to get stuck. And they call that a release agent. Sometimes those release agents are trafe, not not uh, uncertified, but really trafe. There have been many instances where they had to make recalls because the release agents were not kosher. So, Rabbi, who's yes. in charge? This is the, the basically the hashgacha that's supposed yeah, to charge. The hashgacha is in charge, but you see the beauty of it is that uh, the whole concept of hashgacha is that you know we're worrying about the ingredients. So I make sure you get the ingredients from here, the ingredients from there. That's my job, that you're going to buy the raw ingredients. A lot of times, the hashkochas are not thinking about this problem because they think it's just a, uh, using, we're using food-grade mineral oil and, we, and they're getting it from a certain country or a certain kind of place. They don't necessarily think of it as an ingredient. Now, Cautious agencies are getting more, more, uh, more aware of these types of things. They're getting more uh, careful about all this. But I, I would still say that a lot of people might not be aware of the release agents because it's the, over the years I've seen that that's one of the things they get caught on that the release agents weren't kosher. Is, is it not the batel b'shishim or something? Okay, like this, so the batel b'shishim is an interesting phenomenon. I can't go through the whole thing right now, but I would say like this. If we know that it's on the outside, it isn't something that like maybe maybe certain kinds of things are pounded down and they and the release agent mixes in the whole product. But if we know it's on the outside, then Alpi Alocha, there's a different question that comes out where it's Nikar Vinivdal. 
where it's separate and unique. So it can't, it's not called Taruvas. Taruvas is where something gets lost in the shuffle. It's mo- moved in among everything else. But if it's on the outside, it means the outside touched that spot. And if it turned over, flipped over, then it touched it a couple of times. Is there enough that it, that maybe it's going to be bottle? I don't know. It seems to me that it never goes inside, it stays on the outside. And then if it really is strafe, it could, it could, rather, uh, maybe in production of candy or something like that, it may not be an issue. There are a number of different um, ways that these release agents are used. I'm not familiar enough with the plants. I have seen recalls made specifically because of release agents. One company that's very, very well known, I won't mention the name now, that people buy all the time and that they love this product. And they had a problem once with it. It was a candy-like substance and the release agent was 100% not kosher. And somehow the rabbi didn't know about it. So yes, this is something that sometimes slips through and that's why I thought it was very interesting and very important for us, uh, not as consumers, but for us to understand that when we're talking about Ashgacha with, on a seemingly simple product, the machinery and the, and the cleaning of the machinery is extremely important. I, I think we can't uh, overestimate that. It's a very, very serious uh, topic. Uh, obviously, you know, there are things too. I want to just take a moment because somebody texted in. They want to know about cleaning onions. Cleaning onions, we mentioned on the show two different ways. One, the classic way, which many of us still do, is that we take off a little bit from the top. We take off the bottom where the root is coming out. The root seems to be growing, and we cut that off, and we cut a little bit of a, like a quarter of an inch or something, and the same thing on the top. Remove the first two layers on the, on, on the whole onion, and then many people say, wash it off and you're good to go. There are those today who are also cutting into the onion and taking out the entire middle piece. I can't really define where the middle piece is. It seems to me in some onions, half the onion is gone already. But in your larger onions, you could take out the middle piece. Uh, It's exactly where that's deciding where the middle is. It's an interesting question. But the reason for that is because onions start in the middle and the other leaves that come on come on top of that they grow it goes from the middle outward so that's why uh, it, it could very easily attract bugs in there and if you look at the top of the onion you'll see that there really is an opening towards the middle and that 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 especially when the onion is is getting soft and it's starting to grow out growing out from the onion uh, that's sprouting out in the, in the top. At that point, it's really onion is opened and it, it, uh, insects do get in. It's recommended not to use onions that are soft already because they've been rotting away and, uh, you know, and becoming, uh, you know, growing from the inside, not to use those onions at all. And this just use onions that are firm. Try to buy onions that don't have that little anything growing out from the sprouting from the top. And that's basically what the onion story is, although uh, periodically we do have concerns about certain kinds of onions, but you'll be hearing about that either from me or from somebody else if there is any excitement about onions. Otherwise, that's basically the, the two methods. One, 
clipping off the top and then taking and the bottom and then taking the two, the two layers across or doing that plus cutting out the inside. We suppose you cut it in half and pull out whatever you call the inside because that's where they, most of the insects would end up. Although they do end up in between different layers, uh, they're not too hard to find. Uh, maybe some show we'll, we'll discuss a little more how to find it. So we don't have any more questions. We have three, a few more topics. So now let's listen to uh, number... Navidor from California. Uh, and we're, we're talking about the products... Which is a whole range of uh, dips. We have, uh, of course, uh, you know, baba ganoush, and you have uh, what else? What do we have here? We have a vegetarian spread. We have a garlic spread. We have turnips, and we have Moroccan carrots. And hilba. Hilba. Yeah. Uh, Turkish salad, Moroccan salad. Very, very nice array. Different and, flavors of hummus. And this, this, I've seen this product, but I haven't seen it recently. Unfortunately, I don't think there's enough distribution in our area. But this is a product from California. It has a Heart K certification by Tavram Teichman, a very responsible Ashtoka from California. And it uh, really should, does belong in our stores. Uh, if people uh, want uh, to get it to the stores, uh, what should they do? Well, right now we're looking for a distributor, but for now they can contact Quality. Quality. Uh, you know the number offhand or not? I don't it's know. Quality Kosher on 60th Street in Brooklyn. That's and uh, and if you contact them and tell them that you saw, you heard about Hafla, which is spelled Hafla, H-A-F-L-A, the Hebrew and the English on the packaging. It's a very nice product, and it's a reasonable price, and it has very unique flavors that we don't see in the other stores until now. I thank you very much for the few minutes. Thank you. Take care. I'm together with... Okay, that's uh, a little bit about the Hafla, which is a very nice product, set of products coming from California. The next one, the last one for this evening, I believe, is one that disturbs me very much. The, the company is Sophie's Kitchen, and it does have a hashkafa. It does have what we would call a, you know, a, a well-known, recognized kind of hashkafa. But the kind of product is very disturbing, as you will see, and you will hear, I'm sorry, as you will hear about, we're talking now about product that is kosher, but, repre- but is talking about, but is, is actually promoting non-kosher uh, products. So let, let's see a little bit about Sophie's Kitchen. I'm here with uh, Mr. Alan Linder from Sophie's Kitchen, which is located in California, Sebastopol, California, and also has uh, offices in Canada as well. Mr. Linder, tell me a little bit about your kind of product. Of course, we're only interested in the kosher aspect. Well, the product was developed to to um, satisfy a certain customer that didn't want to eat seafood. Right. And in the kosher, they don't. You don't eat shrimp. You know, stuff right. like that. However, uh, that narrows your diet. And just because we call it shrimp doesn't necessarily mean it is shrimp. It's just the fact that we're offering you a broader spectrum of product to eat, and we use konjac, which is a brand new ingredient, which Dr. Oz, by the way, just called the next super superfood. It looks like a big potato. Right, but I mean, potato. if you look at our crabs and our and our well, fish fillets, crabs, but you have tuna. We got tuna, and you have other fish as well. I put another one or two. Scallops. 
and scallops either. Like scallops. Yeah, but you have you have here. Salmon is quite popular. Salmon. Pick out with the kosher trade because right. now for those that don't want to eat the, the fish itself, but still was would, would, would like to have it's kosher, and so they don't have to have the actual right. and fish. And this is this is COS certified right. from the uh, Council of Rabbis from the organization from Canada, and uh, it's a um, a product that is. In some ways, it is lower. Some of them higher. Some are low in sodium. You have to check out. So 170 on one and a 330 on another. But it is low in some of the other things. And it's an opportunity for people who would like to have a fish taste. For one reason or another, can't have it. And where do you sell this? Where, where, where are they using it? Right now, you can source it in whole food stores, natural food stores, uh, supermarkets like Wegmans, Albertsons. We're just starting to get into that venue. We came here as a, we were invited to come here to learn the industry. Right. And I've met some interesting people, particularly in the catering side, that now they feel that they can offer a more expanded menu in their catering menu and work with distributors that strictly focus it on the, on the kosher market. Thank you very much for meeting with us today. All righty. So as you see, I was a little bit disappointed because we have a kosher certified product, but it calls itself shrimp, uh, crab, etc. And uh, they're, they're, what happens is, you know, the Eight Sahara works to try to confuse people, to break down the barriers, so to speak. And this is exactly what these kind of products do. We used to make, there used to be a company here that was very well known for a while. And they, they say, it's not this, it's not that, meaning, but it's kosher. And obviously, uh, the, the copying of it is something that we really have to get away from. There are menus that are in restaurants. It says imitation crab, imitation this, imitation that, with what we would call very responsible hashkochas on the restaurant. I saw a restaurant in, in Flatbush that had on it the word crab. It didn't say imitation. It was a, a very religious hashkocha, but it said crab. It didn't even say imitation crab on the menu. This is something which... It would be nice if we could go beyond it. Anyway, we have any more time or not? That's it. Okay, so let's let's just uh, mention again that uh, this is uh, Kashrus on the air. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. If you'd like to reach us during the week, either to get a subscription to the magazine, or you'd like to get the kosher uh, kosher supervision guide or the kosher travel guide, or you're interested in some questions about Kashrus, you can reach us at the office, 718-336-8544. Again, 718-336-8544. Or you can, you can email us at kashrus, that's K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. And we'd be love to, to talk with you and try to help you. Um, cannot necessarily return all calls. If you catch us in, fine. If not, we, if it's important, we will be able to get back to you. And uh, we hope to have on either next week or in the near future the Mashgich of the Year, Rabbi Aaron Musat. Until I speak to you next time, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine, for Kashrus on the Air.